Hi, we have Judah here with Bava Batra, Perichet, Mishnah, Zion. Particularly fascinating Mishnah, building on the principles of the prior Mishnayot, namely, that if a person has property, that property, as of death, automatically is kicked into the process of inheritance. And so if a person wants to distribute the property in a manner other than the Torah's, uh, gu- not guidance, the Torah's rules for how property is inherited, one needs to gift it during their lifetime. Um, Having that in mind, but now with a twist, because the person still wants to benefit from the property, we we dive in. I think that, by the way, in terms of looking at this Mishnah, it could be that a parent wants to make sure that the property goes to one child over another or several children over other children, but it may also be most easily understood as a case, for example, of a second marriage late in life. Let's say somebody has a family, wants their property to go to their children, but later in life is having a second marriage and uh, would like to still make sure that that property will go to their children and not to now children of the second marriage or spouse, etc., uh, something of a, I guess, a a pre prenup, uh, something along those lines. It may just help for understanding the Mishnah. Hakotim nechasav levanav tzarah sheyichtov mehayom olaachar mita divrei Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says that if one wants to give over their property to their children but not actually give it over yet. They want to make sure that it will get to the children as of death, but right now still wants to be able to use it, what's called yusufracht, which is the, the use, the benefit, the proceeds of the property in the meantime to, to grow things in the field and sell the fruits and so on, but know that the actual land will pass upon the person's passing, the land will pass to the children. So they have to write into a document, mehayom la'achar mita, now and after death. What does that mean? It can't just be after death, because after death, the rules of inheritance kick in. A person is no longer in a position to guide where things are going. Uh, but it's not actually today, because today the land may go to the child, but the parent is still using it and plans to use it potentially for years to come. So mehayom ula means today and after death, meaning today it will become legally yours, children, but you can't, you don't actually get the benefits of it or rights to how it's being used, etc., until such time as death. That's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Rabbi Yossi says that is actually not necessary, namely, that the that even if one didn't write this, he still agrees with Rabbi Yehuda that it should be written, that would be ideal, but it isn't necessary. Why? Because the fact that the document is dated shows that really something is happening today, it's being transferred today. The fact that the parent is still going on and using it for all the further time shows that this must be a mehayom ula'achar, it's, it's now and after death. But the fact that it was written up now uh, already indicates in the body of the document that what the intent was. We can, we can deduce the intent from the, from the date and the other details here without actually having to say the words mehayom ula'achar mita. <coughs> and the halakha is like Rabbi Yossi. Now, um, let's say one does this. If one goes through this sort of process, the father now can't really sell the land because they actually, the land actually belongs to the children. And the children can't sell the land because it's still in the domain of the parent. They haven't yet really actually fully received it. So neither of them can really truly sell it. What happens if they try to? If the father, the parent sells it, then it's sold only until such time as their death. Really what it is is more like a rental. It's being, the benefits are being sold out or rented out 
until such time as the parent dies. And if they didn't disclose that to the buyer, it's really a what's called a mekachtaud. It's a mistaken deal that can be reversed because the buyer thought they were really buying land, not just renting it until such time as the person died. Uh, but you could figure out how much this sort of rental will go for based on actuarial tables, etc. There's a certain present value to a land of a person in this health at this age. How long is it likely to be, quote-unquote, sold for, truly rented for? And machar haben in lokech behen klum If the child sells the field, then it's a delayed purchase. Basically, the buyer is buying the land, but they don't have access to it until the parent dies, and that will probably be reflected in the uh, in the purchase price. A uh, this parent now can can uh, can harvest and feed whoever they want, and they have full rights to all the produce of the field. So even though the field technically belongs to their children, so they can they can harvest and give to new second family children, give it to neighbors, give it to friends, give whatever they want. It's totally up to them. It's completely in their domain to choose what happens to it. Let's say they do some harvesting and pick a bunch of things and then it's still left over at the time of their passing. I mean, they had done a good harvest. Maybe, unfortunately, they died while harvesting. But there's anything that has been picked has been detached from the ground now belongs to them and therefore will go in the normal manner of inheritance. Uh, it will be, be passed on. It's the land, the land itself will go to the, the original treasure it was intended for, but whatever was actually uh, harvested, taken, detached, will go in the order of inheritance. Let's say a person died and left behind, we're now moving on a little bit, left behind adult and minor children. So you could make the argument that maybe the adult children need more money to support their, to support their needs in life, but maybe the children need more food. Nope. Everybody gets, uh, their proper portion. Everybody gets their proper, um, pro rata portion. There's no argument argument of like, oh, I deserve more, I deserve more. The rules of inheritance um, divide up equally with the exception of what we noted earlier, that the eldest child gets their, the, the eldest son gets a double portion if the firstborn is a son. Nasu gedolim yusu haktanim. If after the death of the parent, the older children married and paid for the wedding out of the estate before it was divided up, that's important, then Yisukhtanim, the younger children have the right to do the same. They have the right to get married on the basis, on, on the expense bill, expense tab of the entire estate, meaning everybody's going to share in paying for this wedding. But that's only if the older ones got married after death of the parent and before the uh, and before the inheritance was divided up. But what can what does not happen is that the younger children can't say, Hey, when we were little and dad was still alive, dad paid for your weddings. And so, therefore, our wedding should be paid for. It doesn't work like that. Uh, that was a gift from the parent. Very, very nice. The older children got the benefit of that. Rather, everything will be divided up equally, and the younger children can pay for their own wedding out of their own portion. The only time the younger children have a right to it out of the general fund is when the older children had also gotten out of the general fund after death of the parent, but before the inheritance.